Thank you for listening to audio from Glen Meadows Baptist Church. We hope it blesses you in your relationship with Jesus Christ. If you are not a current member of Glen Meadows, we encourage you to visit one of our services, Sundays at 9 a.m., 10.30 a.m., and 6.30 p.m. All right, you can have a seat, and if you would, grab your Bible. If you don't have a Bible and didn't bring one with you, there's one in the chair in front of you, and you can follow along. We're going to be in 1 Peter. Uh, 1 Peter is towards the back. If you go to Revelation, you've gone too far. But there's another bigger book called Hebrews. Just go right past Hebrews and you will find 1 Peter. And as you know, we're going through a series. This passage uh, is built upon all the other passages we've been dealing with. And it's all in a theme of being strong. So in 1 Peter chapter 5, there's a verse that says, I've written these things that you might take your stand as though no one could knock you down. In other words, being strong. So we have an option. We can be strong men or weak men. We can be strong women or weak women. We can have strong families or weak families. And so the choice is yours. And not strong as the world defines strong, but strong as God defines strong and where there is joy and peace and might. I I will say this, um, that you are headed for trials. You're, You're good chance you're in a trial. In other words, a sticky situation, but you're headed for some more. And you say, uh, Brother Mac, I didn't get up early on Sunday morning just to hear that. Well, it's just a reality. Uh, this, this world isn't perfect. You're not perfect. And you live among people who are not perfect. And so bad things happen to bad people. And bad things happen to good people. It rains on the just and the unjust alike. And so the hurricanes that swept through didn't just go mowing down people's house and then jump over somebody who goes to church and then pick. No, it rains on the just and the unjust alike. Hard things happen. So what we see in this passage of Scripture, in this whole book, is Peter is writing to individuals who have, are really at the bottom. I mean, they've just, they've been under great persecution. And it happens something like this. So their, their kids are playing with their little dolls, girls, and the boys are playing with, with whatever they play with, and swords and stuff. And, and they're making motor sounds, although there were no motors back then, but you get the point. And, they're, and the next thing you know, uh, the dad's out there sawing logs or mom's baking bread. And all of a sudden, somebody runs up and says, it's here. It's happening. Get your things and run. And they ran for their lives. And they ran out of that continent to another continent. And they're just bunkered down in the bushes and the trees. And eventually running for their lives because they were, they were persecuted. They, were, they wanted to stick spears through their body, dip them in tar, and light them up just so that this king could have lighting for his horses. So horrible times is what we're talking about. So here these people are. They're trying to eke out a living in a foreign land, strange language, strange customs, and there they are. And Paul says this, you need to be strong. You're going to need this. Just like every single person in this room, we're either coming out of a trial We're either in a trial or we're about to go in a trial. And what you do in the times of your trials determine whether you're strong or not. And the trajectory of your life depends on how you handle trials. It's it's like that little game where you drop the the bearing, that ball, and it goes through these little hits all these little uh, pegs and they bounce around hitting bells and you never know where it's going to end up. And so some of us live our lives like that to where as if we're free falling and we hit all of these obstacles and it sends us in who knows what direction. And God says, don't live like that. There's a better way. I want you to be purposeful and strong. 
And so that's why he writes this. And so in verse 13 of chapter 1 of 1 Peter is where we start our message. And he says this, therefore. So you're supposed to ask what? What's that therefore, therefore, right? Why is that there? And then, and then you realize that therefore is there because what he does is he reaches back and he grabs verses 1 through 12 and he brings it up into your mind to where it's just right here before you listen to anything else. And so what does he say? What's that therefore? Well, since you have, verse 1, been chosen, bam, you're chosen. So what he's about to say, you need to know that you're chosen by God. If you have accepted Jesus as Lord and Savior, you're chosen. If you desire to be saved, if you desire the things and you draw near to God, you are favored. My wife does this to my grandkids. When my grandkids come and visit, she goes up and whispers in their ear and she'll say, so I have seven, right? And so they usually come in packs. And so they'll come up and she'll, she'll whisper in one of their ear and she'll say, hey, you're my favorite. And they just start smiling. And then, and then, but don't tell the others, okay? But she says that to each one of them. And so they feel favored. And actually, as a believer, you should feel that same way towards God, that I'm, I'm favored, I'm chosen. If you don't know that to be true, then you need to understand it is true. You need to realize that there may be something in your heart that makes you not want to feel favored. You might want to feel the guilt and the blame and the shame, but God doesn't want you to. He wants you to feel incredibly chosen and favored. And the next thing he says is it's a, it's a, it's a, you are saved by the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. It's in verse one. So the whole Trinity, God, in his foreknowledge, Jesus through shedding his blood, the spirit through applying the blood of Jesus, all that God is, is for your salvation. And then next he, he goes in the very next verse, you can look at it, he goes right into verse three and he says, God has chosen you and he has given you new birth. He didn't just say, okay, you're good enough, now you're born again. No, you weren't good enough, you aren't good enough, I'm not good enough. He gives you new birth and that new birth is into an inheritance. So God, we are, before we know Christ, before you become a Christian and you're born again, which by the way, if you've never accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, there is no better time and no better opportunity than right now, than hearing of God's love and how he desires you and wants you to come to him. But once you do, it's like an adoption. You are like you've had a new birth into a new family with an inheritance. And this inheritance is more than you could, you could ever spend. It's unlimited. And then verse five says, this salvation is protected in heaven. It's kept. There's, since you didn't earn it, there's no way to lose it. Since you didn't deserve it, there's no way it can be taken away. It's a gift of eternal life that you receive by repenting of sins and believing. And then he moves on. And so it's protected. And also verse six, this salvation, this new birth brings victories in life. And then in verse seven, if you look at the verse, it's clear. It's resulting in praise and glory to God. And then verse eight, it leads to inexpressible joys. As Scott was talking about earlier, how a lady who was definitely broken and kind of in one of these crossroads and making decisions. And the question is, what do you want more than anything else? And it was these intangible things that you can't get on your own. Love and joy and peace and patience and kindness. These are things that only God can give you. You can't, you can't smoke dope until you get peace. Uh, the guy who discipled me, he was a leftover hippie from the 70s. 
Actually, it was still in the 70s when I got saved. But he, he would talk about how he, would, he wouldn't have food in his refrigerator. And so he would just go get high because he didn't want to deal with it. And then when he would come down off of it, somebody stole his refrigerator. He said, things just got worse. You, you wake up from that. You, 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 can't, you can't buy your way. I mean, you just can't go add to cart, add to cart, add to cart, and all of a sudden feel good about yourself. You can't do that. You can't just eat all this comfort food, which is fantastic, but you just can't do that. You can't just hate on people to the point that now you feel relief. You, you can't go to these kinds of things because it doesn't give you. He says, because you're chosen, because God the Father, Son, Holy Spirit saves you, he's given you an inheritance. It leads to this inexpressible joy. It leads to that. That is the path. Jesus says, there's no other way to the Father except through me. And that's what we need to do. And so, and then lastly, he, he goes on and he just says, uh, this salvation that you and I have is highly desired. I mean, realize if, if you're here today and you don't know Jesus and you don't want to give your life to him, do you realize you are giving up what angels wish they could have? I mean, they long for these kinds of things. And so then he starts off knowing these things. Therefore, look at verse 12. Chapter 1, verse 13, I'm sorry. Then get your mind ready for action. Be self-disciplined and set your hope completely on the grace to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. So the first thing we do in the midst of trials and in life, you and I must make up our minds. You've got to, you've got to set your minds. Uh, if you're not in a trial, now is the time to say when things get rough, I've already made up my mind. We, we are, it, it, when, when you're hurting, when you feel rejected, that's not the time to make life decisions. You, you wait, or you say, I'm going with what I decided when things were calm, and I'm going to serve the Lord God Almighty, and you have that ability. Did you know that? Did you know that people don't make you mad? You choose to be mad? Yeah. You know, I saw that really early. I mean, my mom would be all upset at me, yelling and screaming. Remember when telephones used to be on the wall? And remember when they were, lime, they were lime green and they had the long cord that I could take to my bedroom? Remember that? So I remember she'd be yelling and screaming and all of a sudden she would answer the phone and say, hello. And I just, and I'm like, hey, how does that work? You know, we had veins popping out. Next thing you know, we have love coming out of our mouth. How does that work? It's a, it's a toggle. You, you switch back and forth. And so, brothers and sisters, listen, make up your mind. Stop and think. That's one of the, one of the most powerful verses in the Bible. Stop and think. Just quit going ping, 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 ping and hitting all the pegs and not knowing where you're going to wind up. Just stop and think. Set your mind in what matters and you semen it there. And then he says this, be self-disciplined. So uh, you, you may have a different translation that says be sober-minded. And you know what it's like to be sober. Uh, at least I hope you do. <laughs> right? You know what it's like. It, it's, it, it's a contrast. So to not be sober is to be carried along by some type of stimulus, some type of stimuli, some, something on the outside. It might be uh, to be sober-minded would be you're not being carried away by any kind of drug or alcohol or anything like that, but you have the full faculty of your mind. It also means this, in this context, to be sober-minded is not to be influenced by all these other intoxicating emotions, like fear. Fear intoxicates people. It makes people make some crazy decisions at times. Or how about being intoxicated by greed? 
Don't be, don't be full of greed, but be sober-minded, self-disciplined, where your mind is set. But some people that are so built up with greed or envy, they, they, they want, or they're so intoxicated with hatred. I mean, you've seen this at times. If, you know, I, I get the incredible opportunity sometimes to visit in the nursing home, and some of the most greatest people in the world are there. I've met, I remember talking to a lady 104 years old, and she had, uh, she remembered things I, I couldn't remember. And her mind was so sharp, and she was in bed, and I'm asking her all these questions. Who was the greatest president you knew? And she just told me, who was the worst president? Oh, it was that rat. And I'm like, yeah, okay. I, I wasn't alive then. What was the greatest invention you've ever known? Oh, it was the car, no doubt. It's the car by far. And she's going through. But here's what I notice when I visit places like that is that people that get intoxicated with these types of emotional sins, let me say it again, get intoxicated with emotional sins, envy, greed, lust, anger, resentment. Then all of a sudden, you start going down that path and it cements within your heart and it cements your faith, face in a disposition. And you go to visit someone who's been stuck in that for so long and it just, just kind of radiates from the whole room. It just happens. And I, I don't know, you may be there. I don't know. That's between you and the Lord. But you need to not be held hostage by these intoxicating emotions or these external stimuli. You don't get all riled up when you watch CNN, Fox News, or MSLSD, right? <laughs> you don't get all riled up. Now, I agree there's a righteous indignation. I understand that. But listen, we're not of this world. We're of a different world. And it's not being angry at lost people who do what lost people do. It's, it's not letting that motivate us, but the Lord. So here's what he says. So literally, you are to set your minds for action, being self-disciplined or sober-minded. And what is sober-minded? Think about verses 1 through 12, and you'll get sober-minded. And set your hope completely on the grace to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. So you, you set your mind, you're to be sober-minded, and then here's what you do. You fixate on one thing, and that is Jesus Christ, the author and the finisher of our faith, Amen. casting our eyes upon him, and it's specifically about something about Jesus. Not just uh, the time he was on earth, but it's specifically talking to something, an event that is about to take place. And the I mean, the longer I live, the closer I think we are, amen, of this full revelation of Jesus Christ. Is he talking about the rapture? Is he talking about the second coming? Is he talking about the great white throne judgment? Yes, the full revelation of Jesus Christ. Here's what he says. Set your hope. In other words, you don't hope in anything else in this world. You hope, first of all, in the Lord Jesus Christ, and you anticipate his coming. So what is that going to be like? Well, his, his next coming, there's going to be this archangel who is going to shout, and it's going to sound like massive trumpets. It's going to be the voice of an archangel. In other words, you know, there's angels, and there's unseen spirits, and this unseen world, and then you've got these guys that are at the top, and they're, I mean, they're like the sergeant of arms. I mean, they are big, they are bad, and they control millions of other uh, disembodied spirits, angels. And when Jesus says it's time, he's gonna walk over to the sky and he's gonna pull it across and he says, that's all, that's it. And he's gonna step into the scene 
and then it's going to be over. And, and here's going to be the great part, is it's not, you're, you're not going to worry about, uh, did, your, did your car have a scratch on it? You're not going to worry about your bank account. You're going to be looking at the face of God, and every tear will be wiped away. Every ailment will go just like that. And these fake would-be tyrant kings that think they're God, they're going to be wailed on, the face, on their ground, on the face, and they're going to bow because every knee will what? Every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord. And we're not going to care about these little things on earth. He says this, hope for that. Set your hope on that. Because my friend, listen, uh, man, we've, we've gone through many trials and you've gone through trials and, and we've prayed for, for marriage to be restored and, and we see some and we see some not. We have seen some people healed of, of ailments and, and, and we've seen people, some people not healed. But uh, a lady this week, I had a chance to talk to her last week, and she passed away just a few days ago. And being in her living room and just talking with her and her family and her consoling me, saying like, I'm sorry, you're gonna have to do my funeral. And I'm like, oh no. And then then her family, I, I just don't want them to go through anything. She said, I'm good, I'm anxious, I'm ready. This is a lady who has her eyes fixed on the full revelation of Jesus Christ. Man, let me just ask this. Do you you get tired about being angry or worried or concerned about petty little things when it compared to that? Paul says it this way. The current sufferings in this world cannot be compared to the glory you will experience in heaven. Do you know that? You can't even compare it. So therefore, set your minds with that kind of hope at the full revelation of Jesus Christ. So here's what we've done, right? We literally have set our minds for action. You're in the midst of a trial. Uh, You need an action plan. You, You need to know what to do. You need to know what to do before you get there. You might be in it and say, God, how do you want me to handle this? What is my action plan? And I promise you, While you're waiting for things to change, God will wear you out waiting on Him. He will give you things to do, give you people to talk to, have people come over and minister to you. There's a lot of things that you do, but you must have your mindset on action, not being a victim to circumstance. The situation you find yourself in has a purpose. It just does. Turn with me to Hebrews. I want you to look at this passage to the left. It's a big book over there. Hebrews, James, first and second, Peter. Nope. Hebrews chapter 12. It's just so good. So you've got the faith chapter and chapter 11. You've got all these people from Isaac and Moses and Jephthah, David, Samuel, Gideon, Barak. You've got all these great men and women of faith that are testifying that God is faithful to carry you through no matter what. Therefore, verse 1, chapter 12, since we have such a a large cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let us lay aside every sin or every weight Uh, and the sin that so easily ensnares us and run with endurance the race that lies before us. So in the midst of trials, know that those who are looking at Jesus right now are watching us in our cloud, waiting to see how you respond. Do you have an action plan? Are you sober-minded? Have you set your faith in, in the Lord Jesus and his revelation? And so 
We run in verse two, keeping our eyes on Jesus, the source or the author and the finisher of our faith, who, listen to this, for the joy set before him endured a cross and despised its shame and sat down at the right hand of God. Look at verse seven. Verse seven says this, endure it as discipline. Man, I had a friend who, uh, he, he's from China. His name is Mark, by the way, not Mock. He came from China and uh, he's, he's, he's in Fort Worth and he's trying to get his driver's license and uh, he failed. And he failed because he said, I went, through a, uh, uh, I went through an area that was 30 miles an hour and I went 33 miles an hour. And I was expecting him to really complain, you know, just like as we would, Americans would. And he said this, he said, and I went three miles an hour over the speed limit and it was a very good lesson for me to learn because it's good for me to know that. And I'm like, oh, that's nice. <laughs> what, a sweet, what a sweet young man. And, uh, and so we have these, I mean, have you ever said that when you got a ticket? Oh, that's good for me. That's really good for me. I like that. I think I'll do it again. No. Have you ever looked at a trial and said, man, I really learned from this. I have grown with this. I'm glad I went through this. Have you ever thought that? When some... It, things just didn't work out like you thought. Listen to this. Sometimes God shakes the things that can be shaken so that you can establish the things that cannot be shaken. Right? So he says, back in Hebrews, endure it as discipline. God is dealing with you as sons. For what son is there who a father does not discipline? But if you are without discipline, which all receive, then you are illegitimate children and not sons. In other words, God allows us to go through things so that we can be purified. We can be trained. And then he goes on to say this. Furthermore, we had natural fathers discipline us and we respected them. Shouldn't we submit even more to the father of spirits and live? For they discipline us for a short time based on what seems good to them. But he does it for our benefit so that we can share, what's that say? Thank you. Thank you. We can share in his holiness. Have you ever thought for a moment that you go through trials so that you can share and be like God? Remember what we just read about Jesus, who for the joy set before him, he endured what? the cross. So there was, a, there, were, there was a benefit that goes on and you can see it. No, verse 11, no discipline seems enjoyable at the time, but painful. Later on, however, it yields the fruit of peace and righteousness to those who have been trained by it. Listen to me. You, your, your trials that you're going through and, and not saying God causes any of these or all of them, that's up to him. What I'm saying is we all go through trials, but God uses the trials to shape us and mold us and make us holy. And when you're in the midst of a trial, consider it joy because you're becoming holier as you're being trained by it. Two things I know from this. Number one, if you're in a trial and you don't learn the godly lesson from it, you'll probably have to go back through a trial just like it until you do. Yeah, cheer up, it gets worse. The next thing is, trials make you holy. They do. It's as if, 
Well, let's read verse 12. Therefore, strengthen your... Let's, hold, hold verse 12 for a second. Uh, trials hurt. And trials are painful, right? Trials do things to your soul that it puts pressure and you, you like you bounce on those little, little pegs and you end up in places you don't want to be. Brothers and sisters, listen to me. When you're in the midst of trials is not the time to make life-changing decisions. It, it's time to just say, look, I'm hurting from this. I just heard this news. I'm gasping. And it's time just to say, man, God, I've already set my mind. I'm going to serve you. And no matter what happens, though you slay me, yet will I serve you. Remember what Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego said when the king was going to throw him into the fire? And he's like, what do you have to say about this? The king says, are, are you going to turn from God? I'm going to throw you in the fire. Do you have anything to say about this? And he said, we don't need to say anything to you. We've already made up our minds. We are not going to bow our knee to you, and God is going to heal us. But if he doesn't, still not going to serve you sorry, stinking whatever. <laughs> That's in the Hebrew. <laughs> <It's> just, <laughs> not really. But if not, man, I, I'm going to serve God because I know what he has for me. But when you're in the midst of it, in the midst of the trials, you may be in it right now. You might have been abandoned. You might have heard a bad diagnosis. You may have children that have gone awry and, and it just hurts and it's painful. And, and you may have even forgotten how you made up your mind before. I think most of you know, some of you do, that I was with my son, John Mark, and he was, he was bedridden at the time. He couldn't, he couldn't sit and uh, because of other accidents that happened. That was another trial. But here we are, we're driving down the highway He's laying down in the back seat of my truck and, uh, and I'm driving down I-20 and it starts raining and I slow down a little bit, but I didn't slow down enough. And I hydroplaned as I was coming up on a bridge and next thing you know, the, the, rear, of my, the rear of my truck just starts coming, to, coming over and I'm going down the highway sideways and veering off the edge of the bridge and we catch the guardrail and we take out the guardrail and we're moving down the guardrail and we're snapping those uh, those guardrail posts, they're about six inches, they're made out of wood, and we're just bam, 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 and it slows us down enough to where this last one didn't break, and it just flipped our truck. And there we were in the middle of the highway, windshields busted out. I came to when uh, an 18-wheeler went by and splashed water all over me, and got my son out of the back. He, he had got hit pretty hard, his head, and you know how head wounds are, they bleed pretty bad. And we ended up getting to the hospital. And I remember when I saw John Mark, he was in a halo uh, because he had, a fractured, he had a fractured neck. And I don't know if you know John Mark, but he's gone through a lot. In fact, he's not here today because he's going through more things. He's, he's back in bed. But here, here I'm looking at this boy and my son, and he's in a halo because of a fractured neck that I was... I guess responsible for it and slow down enough. And the only thing that could come to my mind is this incredible pain and this anger and just saying, God, how much more can this boy take? How much more? And I remember that pain and I share that with you only in that I know what that kind of pain did to me. And it's, in fact, my brother-in-law talked to me a few months later. He's in Houston. He came up to visit his son who was here and he was living with us at the time. 
And he said, yeah, man, you were, it looked like you just got hit upside the head with a baseball bat. You just weren't yourself. And it was an emotional response because of pain. Listen to me. Don't underestimate the power of pain. Don't underestimate that. In other people's life, in your life, and where it can take your soul. Some of you know what I'm talking about. You've gone through some incredible pains and circumstances. You hit these little pinball steel things and it's bounced you in another direction and you're still reeling from it. You're still trying to get your feet underneath you. Listen to me. Listen to what God's word says. Look at verse 12 of Hebrews 12. It says this, therefore, this is what you do. Strengthen your tired hands and weaken knees and make straight paths for your feet so that what is lame may not be dislocated, but healed instead. You and I have work to do. Those of us, if man, you, you, your, your life may just be peachy king and you don't even know what we're talking about, but for the rest of you, you know what I'm talking about. We must set our minds. We must be sober-minded. We must set our attention on Jesus coming back again. And then the text clearly tells us that we are to allow this healing to take place so that, turn back to Hebrews, so that in Hebrews, I'm sorry, 1 Peter, so that we would be like him. Watch this. As obedient children, do not be conformed to the desires of your former ways or your former ignorance. So some of us used to handle trials by running, by sticking our head in the sand, by just going off and getting high or going off and, and sh- being mad and, and hating on people or accusing people. But he says, don't do that. And your father loves you. There's nothing that can separate you from the love of God. Listen to this. In Romans, in Romans chapter 8, let me sh- read this to you. Romans chapter 8 just clearly li- lists this, and your trials wants to separate you from this. Romans chapter 8 says this, verse 31. What then are we to say about these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He didn't even spare his own son, but offered him up for all of us. In other words, he loves us. He gave us his son. Who can bring an accusation against God's elect, the ones who are chosen? God is the one who justifies. Who is the one that condemns us? It's Jesus Christ, the one who died for us, but even more, he raised from the dead. He also is at the right hand of God, and he intercedes for us. Who can separate us from the love of God? Can affliction or anguish or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? Listen to me, sister, listen to me. You may just be feeling horrible, but you're just feeling that because of the circumstances. That's not reality. There is a difference between how you feel and what you know. Brother, listen to me. You and I have to learn to distinguish. There's a difference between how we feel and what we know to be true. And your feeler can be deceiving at times. Don't ignore your feelings, but don't make your decisions based on your feelings alone, right? So he goes on to say this, sarcastically, but as it's written, sarcastically, 
Because of you, we're all being put to death all day long. We are counted as sheep to be slaughtered. Verse 37, no, no. In all these things, we are more than victorious. Through him who loved us, for I am persuaded. Listen to this. Hey, if if you're reading, stop reading. Just look up here and listen. Listen to this. Let the word of God just wash on you right now. For I am persuaded that neither death or life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor heights, nor depths, nor any created thing. So not any demonic force at all, not any circumstance that you might find can do this. We'll have the power to separate us from the love of God that is in Jesus Christ our Lord. Nothing can separate you at all. In fact, as obedient children, as it says, in the passage of 1 Peter, as obedient children, we are to draw near to the holiness of God because it says, be holy for I am holy. Now listen, in the midst of your pain, you may not feel holy, you may not feel the presence of God is holy, but God is holy. Don't sin. Don't sin. Run from your former ignorant ways and draw near to the holiness of God. When I want to be close to my wife, we might go eat food, obviously. (laughs) Where do you want to go? And sometimes, there's a couple times, she took me to these little tea places. (laughs) And they bring the food and you're like, that's it? And I remember afterwards, I went and got a cheeseburger, didn't I? One got a cheeseburger. So like rabbit food, are you kidding me? But, but the ambiance was, she dug it, she liked it. Therefore, I liked it. And, and so we just, commun- and, and when, when I get to choose a restaurant, I mean, it's like burnt dead cow, right? That's what, that's what we do. And she, she enters my world in a sense, and I enter her world, and we commune. Listen, God is holy. He's holy. And if you ask, he's willing to forgive you and cleanse you of all of your sins so that you come into his presence. If you're not born again, if you're not a Christian, if you do not know where you'll spend eternity when you die, the Lord is willing to declare you holy, righteous, so you can come into his presence. And he does that through the death of his own son, that if you say, Jesus, you're my Lord and you're my master, I give you my life, then he cleanses you of all that you've ever done, and you are born again. Christian, listen, before I come into the presence of God, in fact, the only way to come to the presence of God as a Christian is just simply to say, Lord, man, I've blown it. Convict me where I'm wrong, and I confess my sins. And he is faithful every time, and he is just. He's the one who can do it to cleanse me of all unrighteousness and allow me into his presence so you can be with him. Some of you need a touch from him right now. You you just need to know what to do, how to set your minds, how to set your faith. Thank you again for listening to audio from Pastor Mac Roller at Glominas Baptist Church. For previous sermons and more information, please check out our website at gmbc.org.